From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. WalletWatch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games. Delivering financial topics in an enjoyable and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica. And I'm Amanda. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back, Wallet Watch listeners. Hey, Jess. Hey, Amanda. If you are a new listener to the podcast, welcome. We're so excited to have you listening. Jess and I are financial educators, and we're also doing this podcast to try and get more information out to everyone so that they can be more successful, not only in their financial lives, but also professionally and personally. And if this is your first time ever listening to us, we are in season eight that is revolving all around growth and purpose. Yeah, and we are releasing episodes every three weeks this season. For our topic today, we are going to take some time to really talk about unlearning. I am very excited about this episode today, and Jess and I are just going to tackle this topic ourselves and share some information that we've learned and unlearned and things that we've researched about this topic. When did you hear about this word of unlearning? I think it kind of embodies a few different things when I think about unlearning. The biggest eye-opener for me when we started thinking about this topic was on learning some of the things that we have been conditioned to know or ways of thinking that cause us to not grow. Yeah. Doing a little bit more research and diving deeper into what unlearning is, the Harvard Business Review has a really great article about this and they give a definition of unlearning that it is not about forgetting, but unlearning is the ability to choose an alternate mind mode or mental model. And when we learn, we add new skills or knowledge to what we already know. But when we unlearn, we are stepping outside of the mental model in order to choose a different one. So I think a lot about how when we're younger, we are conditioned and learning different things and we start learning these different ways, these patterns develop in our minds. And so unlearning often takes a lot more practice and time than just learning something new. 100% Amanda. And I think it's extremely important for us to unlearn in order to make room for new skills or new behaviors. When we first started talking about unlearning, you asked me, what is one thing you've had to unlearn? And I'm like, wow, I had to take a minute. I had to think about it. One of the biggest things that I had to unlearn was that being busy was like a badge of honor. Not setting boundaries, always saying yes, have issues like prioritizing things, feeling like I had to do everything in a day. I never felt like I could just sit down and watch Netflix for a day because if I did, I felt guilty because I felt like I had a hundred other things that I had to do. I learned that I needed to reprioritize my time and I needed to set time up for myself, for my family, for my work, for different things. 
but also learning that it's okay to not be busy. It's okay to not schedule every minute of our life. And that was big for me. Yeah. And I feel like in your mind, it's probably being busy is easy to do, right? Because it's just like, okay, well, here's my list. Add these things on there. Once that's done, okay, what else can we add? And you just go, 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 move it to the next thing. And so your brain was even conditioned to just continue once your list was done, right? You're automatically like, what's next? Yes. My therapist actually taught me that all of my planning and all of my thoughts of being busy was a way that I was coping with anxious thoughts or anxiety. And then I was like, holy smokes. I started thinking about that in so many different aspects of my life. And I was like, (laughs) it was like a big kaboom, you know, it's great. Cause when I tell my husband, well, I'm so busy. I have this and this and this and this and this. And he's like, well, where are you on that list? You know, and it's just that small little thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. So maybe I am going to say no to this or I am going to reprioritize this or I am going to set that boundary. Yeah, Um, it's been truly helpful. What about you? Is there anything that you've had to unlearn? Yeah, (laughs) I think one of the biggest things that and again, unlearning is more of a process that I think it takes a lot of time to go through and learn how to do. And it's going to vary and be different for person to person. But I think back to maybe how I was taught about emotions when I was younger and thinking that emotions were labeled as good and bad. And I remember like seeing charts, you know, like in elementary school where the good emotions were green and the bad emotions were red. And maybe there were some yellow neutral ones in there and really unlearning that and knowing that As a human, we naturally feel different kinds of emotions every single day and you can fluctuate and touch and hit on all different kinds of emotions just in a day. And recognizing that, hey, some of those emotions that we may have learned as being bad, you know, like being angry or sad, jealous or anxious, they're not bad because they're just things that we can feel as humans. And that it's okay to sit in those because, again, kind of going back to the whole idea why we wanted to make this season to learn about growing and being able to grow into a purpose, you can learn a lot from when you are sitting in those, I want to say there may be harder emotions or ones that are not as accepted. I think of the word uncomfortable. If you think about anybody who's made leaps and bounds or have grown into a new position or a new career or just grown in life as a person in general, they had to go through some type of uncomfortability to be able to get there. Yeah. I think the other thing that goes along with this, emotions aren't good or bad, is knowing too that because we're human and everyone has a human experience, that the emotions that you're feeling don't define who you are. Try not to attach yourself to maybe those definitions society has on what emotions are and just recognizing, hey, I'm feeling this right now. This is the emotion I'm feeling, but it's not going to define who I am as a person. It's not going to define my purpose and just, you know, learning how to recognize where you're at and not attaching to it. I want to go back to to the the research that we did and share again some steps that Harvard Business Review came up with on how to start on learning. 
Um, so the first step that they kind of put forward is recognizing that the old model is no longer relevant or effective. So this could be unlearning so many different things on all different kinds of levels. But once you recognize that that old model isn't working, the second thing is trying to find or create a new model that can help you better achieve your goals that you have for you. And then the third thing, which I think this is the hardest part of unlearning, is trying to ingrain the new mental habits. So I am definitely not a scientist. I'm not an expert on your brain. But what I have learned is that there's different kind of wiring. You can kind of compare a brain to being wired. And the old habits and models, your brain is just going to default to those. And that it takes time and practice to create a new path for those wires to move around. And that is part of unlearning is trying to shift that mindset and the way that your brain physically is made to accept that new mental path. 100%. And I think something to honor when you're going through a process of unlearning is to show yourself a lot of grace. You know, I think our brains are hardwired to go back to what's comfortable. And if we're trying to break an old habit and create a new habit, having too much change causes, you know, our brains or our minds to, to freak out. So I think thinking about identifying what is that old habit, taking some time to kind of think through some steps of like, well, what could you do differently to start unlearning that thing? And then what is the new way of learning that you want to to kind of develop and think through that? One thing for me that helped when I think through what I was trying to unlearn was being vulnerable and talking to people about it because then the people closest to me could help me. Like if I was struggling with something I could talk about it with somebody who was there to support me because I think that's part of it too is we think we have to unlearn these things and develop new habits all by ourselves when really people are around us that love us and support us and want to see us grow and develop and be the amazing people that we are Um, and I think sometimes we forget that we have to lean on them. Definitely. I think it goes back to... I think it was the first episode that you were one of our new hosts on Jessica last season. We were talking about goals and having someone there as an accountability aspect that you can share the things that you're working on. They can help you through it too. Yeah, 100%. I think it's huge having that support system, knowing who the people are. You know, it's like, I think about it like this when you're raising a child, they always say it takes a village. Parents and grandparents and family members and cousins and just lots and lots of people. And it's the same type of thing when you think about anything tough that you've gone through in life or anything that you've succeeded in in life, if you think about who are the people that helped you get there, nine times out of 10, we all have some type of support circle to help us get there. Yeah, Because we are financial educators and we do a lot of work talking about financial topics and financial literacy, we wanted to help our listeners maybe unlearn some of the financial suggestions or financial advice that we hear out in the community. We get questions on a lot by the people that we're teaching. Jess, what is one of the biggest things that maybe like a misconception that people have when it comes to personal finance that we can help some people unlearn today? Oh my gosh. The first one that comes to mind is that credit cards are bad. And I hear that at all levels. You know, I work a lot with middle school up to like college level. And 
A lot of the youth that I work with are like, well, credit cards are bad. We're not supposed to use those. You're supposed to pay cash for everything. So for me, I I kind of rebuttal. And I'm like, do you ever want to be able to own a home one day? And they're like, well, yeah. And I go, in order to be able to own a home one day, you have to have shown that you know how to utilize credit. And one of the best ways to show that you know how to utilize your credit and be credit responsible is with a credit card. What are your thoughts on that one? Because I know your face lit up when I said that. And so I know you get that out in the community a lot as well. I do. And personally growing up, that's what I was told too. And that's Mm -hmm. what I was taught. And I think that perception or that mindset that credit cards are bad kind of impacted me into not feeling empowered or feeling like I had the knowledge to use them well. So I think the mindset shift on credit cards should be that credit cards are a tool to help build good credit. Yes. And I I agree with you 100%. If you can get into a lot of trouble, there's a lot of bad habits that you can create with a credit card. But if you have that knowledge on what their purpose is and the ability to be able to make some good habits around a credit card, they are one of a really important tools to build a strong credit score, which then can help you evolve on your financial journey to be able to apply and get approved for bigger loans like an auto loan or a mortgage at some point in your life. I like what you said about not really learning a lot about it because I didn't as a child neither. As a mom now, it has pushed me. I have a, I have a middle schooler and we talk about credit. We talk about credit cards. We talk about debit cards. You know, we helped him open his first account to kind of teach him all of those things because sometimes I think we didn't learn about it growing up because I also think given our age, I know there's a little bit of age between us, Amanda, but I don't think our parents utilize them like the world utilizes credit and debit cards and mm-hmm. stuff like that today. So I think that's why what we do in the community is so vital and so important. But what is something that you hear when you are out presenting in the community that is maybe a myth we want to debunk for our listeners or get them to unlearn today? Yeah. So this one I feel like might be a little bit more complex than the credit card example. And it kind of goes back to my personal unlearning example. But I have also heard this a lot that money can't buy you happiness. Oh, yes. Yes. And I've been doing a lot of reading and studying too about the correlation and the connection between money and emotions and money and our behaviors. And while I was doing that research, I found a survey that researchers from Princeton University did in 2010. And they surveyed more than 450,000 people. And they were looking for a correlation between each person's emotional well-being and the level of their income. Are you ready to hear their results? Yes. I just held my breath for a minute because I'm like, ooh, what is she going to say next? (laughs) Yeah. So basically from their research and from the surveys, they did find a correlation that if someone's income was lower than 75000 annually, they had a worse emotional well-being. And that hmm. people who made 75000 a year more had a better emotional well-being. So it's really interesting because I just think they were able to find that people who made that, that amount, that 75000 a year, 
were able to pay all of their bills and still have money left over to enjoy. And I think 2010, that that's quite some time now. So I'm wondering how these numbers would fluctuate and change if they were to do this survey again sure. in 2022. The unlearning is that, again, money is a tool. And we're kind of taught that money is math, right? Whenever I've learned about personal finance, yes. you know, the one half of semester class I had, they taught me all these math equations on how to budget. You know, take your income, subtract your expenses, don't spend more than what you make. But I don't think that there's a whole lot of education around the behaviors and the emotions that get tied to money. I think that there's just a lot more when it comes to our feelings of success and personal fulfillment. So I think that the money can't buy you happiness is true and it's also not true at the same time. But I think the thing that can be unlearned is that there is a correlation between money and your emotions and it should be something that's taught to think about and look at. How does money make you feel? Can you kind of start separating the two and think about money as a tool? What kind of behaviors and patterns can you start to establish to use that money as a tool to reach those goals that you have? Yeah. And then I think about, you know, how is money talked about in your household? Is it a taboo topic? Is it something that is openly communicated where you're taught? This is the amount of money we bring in. This is all the, you know, the bills that we have to pay. This is what we have left over. This is for this. This is for that. Because I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, if we think about some of the richest celebrities in the world that don't know how to budget their money. Well, I think it's interesting that you brought that up about celebrities and people who make loads and loads of money because they did find in this same study, Princeton University did that making more, significantly more than 75,000 per year had no additional impact on happiness. So it seems like there's a number that might correlate with are the needs being met and there's some extra to contribute to things that can bring happiness and joy because I talk about this with students too. It's important to budget in for fun, right? It's important yes. to make that a priority. Life isn't about just paying all of your bills and working. You also need to use money to do things that bring that joy back to you. And we're in a place in society where it almost takes money to do practically anything. Amanda, I really like that study that you shared. I think you kind of see both sides of, you know, the whole unlearning of money can't buy you happiness. But to a, a degree, we can see that making a certain amount of money will allow you to, you know, pay for everything and then have a little bit left over. And it kind of makes me think a little bit about where we're at right now in society with seeing all these inflation costs that people are talking more openly about their struggles mm -hmm. financially, which makes me think about one last kind of unlearning that we talk a lot about in the community is about that budgeting piece. I will always ask, so when you hear the word budgeting, what thoughts come to mind? And people will always say, it's controlling my money. And then I have the conversation with them about, well, have we ever thought about it through the lens of it's empowering you to spend money how you would like to? Uh, and then we sit down and we kind of have the conversation about 
Budgeting can feel controlling when you don't really have an understanding of your finances. So we kind of talk through what are expenses? What do we spend our money on every single month? Does it kind of tie into where we want to spend our money? And we talk about factoring in, like you said, fun. Mm-hmm. So it was a, that's a big one for me that sticks out because I think it kind of correlates with what you were talking about with the study that they did. Yeah, I think that's a really great example of unlearning because I feel like probably a lot of people don't like how they feel when they're budgeting. And so that's the first step, right? Noticing this mental pattern that you've created. And then, like you said, the second step, okay, how can I shift this and create a new model? So changing your mindset on how you're spending your money and maybe even changing your mindset on what your different spending categories are. And then it's that tough part at the end, right? Like ingraining that new mindset, that new shift in your thinking. I think that's the part that maybe people abandon, which is okay, but part of that unlearning process is trying to get that ingrained in your head so that it can be that new mindset and that new mentality in your thinking. You hit the nail on the head with that because as you were saying all of that, I literally thought about The first time I heard the word budgeting and saving and pay yourself first, I was a single mom for a few years and everything I had went to taking care of my family. It took me a long time, but when I learned budgeting is empowering, learning to pay myself first, I I factored it in as a bill. So money went into savings every time I got paid and it started an entire different thought process. The unlearning and the reteaching of a new habit was tough. And I had to sit in a lot of emotion and I had to sit in a lot of feelings to work through that, to just keep myself focused on those financial Mm -hmm. goals. That really took it from that controlling aspect to that empowering aspect. For our listeners, we are going to give you a little challenge just to kind of think about what are the things that you've learned in your life and maybe start thinking about what things aren't working, right? Change is inevitable and it's change is constant. I think we've seen a lot of change in the last few years. I think everyone is feeling that. And so thinking about bigger picture, how can we unlearn some of these old things in order to replace them with something new that can help us change for the better? Do you have a quote? I did find this quote. It is from unknown. The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but building the new. And I think that resonates with everything that we talked about today. Yeah, I love it so much. Thanks for having this conversation today, Jess. Yes, Amanda, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode today. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. If you enjoy listening to Wallet Watch, you might also enjoy taking advantage of our other financial education opportunities. The seminar series hosted by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union is another chance to learn more about financial literacy. The seminar series consists of in-person and virtual sessions that cover topics such as financial planning, preparing to buy a home, understanding financial aid, taxes, and more. 
For more information on upcoming events, visit msufcu.org forward slash events or view recorded webinars from the seminar series playlist on the MSU FCU YouTube channel. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Khan and me, Jessica Rubio. Our executive producers are Ariana Saldana, Lauren Kalarzik, and Susie Elkins. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.